Friends, please join me in prayer. Spirit of the living God, please fall on us with fresh power. Open our ears, open the eyes of our hearts, that we may see you anew, that we may see and hear you in a new way this evening. Be with me in my speaking. May my words carry your grace. And this evening, please give each one of us what we most need from you. In your precious and powerful name, amen. So in full disclosure, I had originally planned to use both of these scripture texts in my reflection. And then I realized I'd probably been a bit overly ambitious. And so the Mark text, you just got to hear a beautiful gospel text. That's a reflection for another time. But today, I'm going to be focusing on the text from 2 Corinthians. And let me give us just a little bit of context for, for this scripture passage. Corinth was a major city. It was a provincial capital as well as a center of commerce at the time. It was ethnically and, relig and religiously diverse. I suppose in some ways, maybe a little bit like Milwaukee. And Paul, during his ministry, spent a year and a half there, founding the Corinthian church. After that, Paul then had extensive correspondence with this church, with the Corinthians. And we have some of that correspondence in 1st and 2nd Corinthians, not the whole of it, but pieces of it. And these texts that we do have give us something of a window onto his relationship with the church, which was tumultuous and sometimes strained. There were challenges to Paul's apostolic authority, sometimes coming from within the church and sometimes coming from outside, from teachers who came to Corinth after Paul and were using dazzling rhetoric to attract followers. And so Paul felt the need to defend his ministry, which he was doing. Uh, that's at least some of what he was doing in the letter of 2 Corinthians. But we'll notice that he doesn't do this by pointing to his own power and skills. Rather, by pointing to God's power at work, through his weakness and fragility. And that message really comes to the fore in the text that we just heard. And especially in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, which is where I really want to focus this evening. But we have this treasure in clay jars, or earthen vessels, as John read. We have this treasure in clay jars so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God 
and does not come from us. I want to share with you a poem. It's called Clay Jar. I am coming to know myself as a clay jar, coming to know my fragile walls as brittle and fine as a shell, coming to know my nicked and worn and uneven edges. I am coming to know I am molded by hand, one of a kind, and the shape of my soul bears the press of a potter's palm. I am coming to know my grace. I am coming to know my emptiness. I am coming to know these are the same. For when the bowl of my life is scraped clean, this terrible, beautiful, hollow inside me becomes the space of my hope. I'm coming to know how it hurts being this vessel of clay, a cup of absence and promise. I am coming to know how it helps coming to know that I am. That's a poem that I wrote during my second year of seminary. When I was in the midst of a ministry internship at a homeless shelter that I found very difficult. Day after day, when I would show up at the shelter, I just felt completely out of my element. And so often, I wasn't really sure what to say or do. The truth is, I don't like feeling fragile and bumping into my own limits, my clayness, if you will. I would much prefer to be ministering out of a place of strength and easy confidence. And on occasion, I get to do that. Sometimes I try to pretend that that's who I am. But always, sooner or later, my fragility will catch up with me. I experienced this a lot when I was working with community peacemaker teams, or CPT, doing international peacebuilding work and nonviolent activism. I, most of the time during those years, felt completely out of my comfort zone, especially in the times when I was on team and didn't even speak the language of the community partners around us. And I found myself wondering sometimes, why would God call a clay jar like me to work here of all places. And then I experienced it again during my PhD studies. And particularly at the end of the months when I was trying to both finish up my dissertation and be applying for jobs. Yeah, 
there are, there are few things that will make you feel your clayness more than being on the job market. Next month, I'm going to be transitioning into a new position at UWM. And as excited as I am right now about what's coming next, I also know that there will come those moments when I'm feeling overwhelmed in my new position. And I will wonder, did these people who thought they were hiring someone with strong skills in facilitation and conflict work, did they actually just hire a clay jar instead? <laughs> I think a lot of you know what I'm talking about. You know this experience. As a church, I think Milwaukee Mennonite has been feeling our clayness lately. The pandemic left us weary. It left us literally smaller in numbers. And many of us are feeling stretched thin as we try to keep the church going. I know that the discernment process we've been engaged in regarding church location has been hard for many of us. I've heard expressed emotions of frustration at how this process is unfolding. Some of us have been hurt by things that have been said. I've heard some of us expressing fears about conflicts among us or worries about our future as a church. And so this evening, I think the first word to us as Milwaukee Mennonite in this text is, do not lose heart, for it is by God's grace that you're engaged in this ministry. But there's more. If we listen carefully, we'll notice that fragility is only half the story here. Because inside this clay jar is a treasure. And what is that treasure? We see it in verse 6. The powerful creator God who spoke light out of darkness. This God is shining in our hearts the knowledge of God's power and glory. And so we get this wonderful image of divine light shining inside the clay jars that we are. And even more, God's light is shining in us and through us, not despite our frailty. But in this text, our frailty even has a purpose to better display God's extraordinary power. I want to give us an illustration a little more vividly of what this might look like. Lately, we haven't been doing children's time that much. Um, I think at its best, children's time is good for us 
because it pushes us to get to whatever is the essence, the heart of the reflection, and think, how can I communicate this a little more concretely? So that's what I'm going to try to do. Now, you've been wondering what these are for. <laughs> so we have here, I brought my props with me. We have here a stainless steel pot and a glass jar. I didn't have a clay one, so glass will have to do. And let me ask you, which of these is stronger? The steel, I'm hearing the steel, yeah. Yeah, if I dropped the steel pot on the floor, it would make a loud noise, but the pot would be fine. And if I dropped the glass jar on the floor, it would not fare so well. I'm not gonna do either one of those things because I don't want to make loud noises or break a lot of glass. But you all know what would happen. But let's notice what happens when I try to place a light inside each one of these. Which one is better able to show off the light? Yeah. I'm going to blow out the candles, because I, I also don't want to have any other catastrophes. <laughs> but the point has been made. The steel pot is a representation of invulnerability and strength. But its very solidity actually hides the light inside it. Whereas the glass jar, which is much more fragile, that allows the light to shine through. In the times when Paul was writing to the Corinthian church, everyday containers were made of clay. They were easily broken or cracked. But we can imagine how those very cracks would allow a light inside the clay jar to more readily shine out of it. So moving from the metaphor of jars and pots back to our lives, what might this look like concretely? I'm going to share with you a story of an experience I had a few years ago at an academic conference that I attended. This happened to be when I was on the job market, at a low point in being on the job market. And I went to a session that was all about facilitating difficult conversations. This session was led by a professor who was both experienced and tenured. And during the session, he told us about the precariousness 
that he had felt during his graduate studies. He had lost his father at that time, and he came very close to not even finishing his degree. Even more, he admitted to us that he still feels anxieties and fears like that, including as he was leading that very session. And I can still remember how his honesty moved me because that morning I had woken up feeling depressed and questioning if I belonged in academia and if I would ever land a job. His own vulnerability, and even more than that, his willingness to talk openly about it, to share it with us, that made me feel less alone. And this, I think, is part of the way that our fragility can be a source of God's power. As we share our stories, and especially the stories of how we feel broken or small, we can bring light to other people. It is the broken edges of our lives, the cracks running through our hearts, that open us up to the broken world around us. Through these cracks, the world's pain and need touches us, and through these cracks, God's light and grace can flow out from us to touch the world. Now, I want to be careful here because I am not trying to glorify weakness or suffering or pain. This is a really important point to underscore. Healing is important and it is needed. But it can only happen when we know and recognize our clayness. If we really pay attention to this passage from 2 Corinthians, we'll notice that the exhortation of this passage is not actually be a clay jar. Paul doesn't need to urge us to be clay because the reality is that's who we are. None of us are stainless steel. We don't get to make this choice between being steel or clay, being strong or being fragile. Being clay is part of our human condition. The choice that we get to make is, will we be clay jars who try to pretend that we're steel pots? Or will we be clay jars who realize and accept our clayness and trust that God's power is sufficient in the midst of our own fragility? There are certain seasons in our lives when we may be more poignantly aware of being clay jars. For example, when we're experiencing physical or mental health challenges, or often even harder, when beloved friends or family members are experiencing those. During times of loss, times of transition, times of uncertainty about what's ahead, 
during moments of messing up, when we say or do something that then we wish we really hadn't? All of these can make us more poignantly aware of being clay jars. They bring to the surface our clayness. And I know that there are many of us here at Milwaukee Mennonite who are in this kind of a season now, in one or more areas of our lives. And so my urging to us, to all of us, is be gentle with yourselves. Be patient with your own and each other's clayness. Believe that there is still inside each one of us the treasure of God's glory. Because being church together means being a place, being a people, a family, where vulnerability is received and guarded and valued, where mistakes are forgiven and grace is extended. And ultimately, it means being a community in and through which God's powerful light is shining. <laughs>